0: Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Xin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. After a one-week break due to China's golden week, the national holiday, we are back and we already have plenty of business news to catch up on food delivery titan meituan has been hit with a 533 million us dollar fine the chinese government has promised unprecedented access to its domestic markets if the country can join a major free trade agreement and concerns continue to surge about evergrande's financial mess spilling over into the rest of the economy if you're looking for a feast of business news from china this podcast definitely has the stuff to wet your appetite. It's been a great week for China's box office. During the week-long national holiday, the country's box office rebounded closer to pre-pandemic levels. As of October 7th, national box office takings were up 11% year-on-year to 4.4 billion yuan, or about $680 million over seven days, and getting closer to the pre-COVID 2019 number. That's according to data from a government-backed platform. Leading the charge with over 70% of the total box office was the big-budget war epic The Battle at Lake Changjin. Things have not been quite so good for Meituan. China's market regulator levied a 3.44 billion yuan, or $533 million fine, on the company for anti-competitive practices. The move ends a months-long probe, into the takeout delivery Titan. The fine is equivalent to 3% of Meituan's domestic sales for 2020, a relatively lenient penalty. It was calculated according to China's anti monopoly law, which sets fines on abuse of market dominance at up to 10% of a firm's revenue for the previous year. And to put it very mildly, Evergrande is also continuing to go through a rough spell. As the troubled developer continues to grapple with its mountain of debt, concerns are brewing that several other Chinese property firms could also be hit by a series of defaults if Evergrande's liquidity crisis is not resolved. Bloomberg reports that fears of contagion risks intensified last week after a surprise default by Fantasia spurred a dramatic sell-off in the offshore market. The move subsequently sent yields on China dollar junk bonds to 16.9% the greatest in roughly 10 years, while Evergrande's dollar bond prices sank to a record low. In an interview with Bloomberg Television on Friday, distressed debt veteran Michael Lowy said that Chinese real estate firms are now facing a so-called triple whammy with waning access to offshore financing and quote-unquote catastrophic September pre-sales, as well as a limited onshore banking market. In other big business news, Lenovo has pulled the plug on its highly anticipated $1.6 billion share sale on Shanghai's star market. According to the Shanghai Stock Exchange, the PC maker and its sponsor, investment bank China International Capital Corporation, CICC, asked to withdraw the listing application on Friday, but did not specify any explanation behind the decision. Lenovo had submitted its application at the end of September, right before the week-long national holiday. Also making the headlines is China's so-called negative list, which details what industries are off-limits to both Chinese and foreign investors. In big news, the country has unveiled a draft revision to the list. The latest draft reduced the overall number of businesses subject to entry barriers, but it has also added new restrictions for media, finance, and cryptocurrency. The National Development and Reform Commission, NDRC, and the Ministry of Commerce published the draft on Friday, seeking public comments for its annual revision until October 14th. China started the national negative list in 2018 as part of a broader effort to streamline administrative management over investments. It has revised the list every year. In huge news, Beijing has vowed to allow an unprecedented level of access to its national markets if it can join the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is also known as CPTPP. According to a spokesperson for the Chinese Commerce Ministry, the commitment amounts to a high-level opening up, to an extent which China has never agreed to under any current trade deal. The remarks came after China filed an application in September to join the free trade agreement. The country now faces an uphill task to negotiate an accession agreement with the pact's 11 members. Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, Peru, New Zealand, Singapore, and Vietnam. The CPTPP is the largest free trade area in the Asia-Pacific region and the third largest in the world. With China, the agreement would cover one-third of global GDP, making it the world's largest regional free trade area. In other big international business news, China's Vice Premier Liu He and U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai agreed in a video call on Saturday to resolve bilateral economic and trade disputes through consultation. The news signals that the two sides are continuing to stabilize economic relations that suffered from tit-for-tat tariffs and sanctions. The video call marked the second time the two lead trade negotiators had a discussion on economic and trade issues since their first phone conversation in late May. It also came three days after the latest round of diplomatic and security talks between Politburo member Yang Jiechi and U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan in Zurich, Switzerland. During the call, the two sides also exchanged views on the implementation of the China-U.S. Economic and Trade Agreement, known as the Phase 1 Trade Deal, signed in early 2020 under the Trump administration after a prolonged trade war. Let's turn now to Caixin Global Financial reporter Yu Kun Zhang, who joins me to fill us in on what is going on with China's power outages. Welcome to the show, Yuquan.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, Yikun, these outages have affected some 20 provinces, if I recall correctly. Can you please explain to us what is behind these outages? What has caused them?
1: The two main reasons for those power cuts are the central government's carbon reduction goals and a coal shortage. Some provinces have to cut powers to limit factory production because they need to meet the carbon reduction goals set by the central government. This is not a new policy. The goals have been in place for years, and most provinces didn't have a problem meeting them. But in the first half of 2021, more than half of the provinces failed to meet the targets. And that is partly because there was an increase in export demand, driven by China's economic recovery and the pandemic in Southeast Asia, which is slowing production there. So some provinces are telling some factories to suspend production or only operate three days every week.
0: Okay, so can we drill down a little bit on this coal shortage? What's causing that?
1: So coal shortage is what makes the power cuts this year so severe. The increase in export means there was more demand for power. But coal output has been declining since 2016, because of stricter safety and environmental requirements. And coal still powers almost 70% of electricity generation in China. So the prices of coal surged. But because electricity prices in China are largely set by the government, power plants can't make a profit. So they're reluctant to keep burning coal to generate more power because they are just going to lose more money. And they're also depleting their coal stock, and they're not restocking because the prices are so steep. The gap in power demand and supply is so wide in northeast China that local grids have to cut powers for residential use, sometimes for hours.
0: And what are the likely economic impacts of the shortages? I mean, it has a lot of people understandably worried, right?
1: Well, on the local level, suspending production hits some smaller factories in energy-intensive industries, such as textile factories. On the national level, this could affect the GDP of the fourth quarter as the cost of production, which has been on the rise for several months, continue to increase. This could also further impact the global supply chain with shortages in textiles, toys, machine parts, and more.
0: And how has the Chinese government sought to deal with the situation so far?
1: There have been a lot of meetings by the central and local governments They'll pledge to guarantee electricity and coal supply, especially in the coming winter. The central government is allocating coal to some local power plants in the Northeast. Uh, China's Premier Li Keqiang just said that China will raise the cap on electricity prices. This could allow for a more market-based electricity price mechanism.
0: Okay, we'll have to keep an eye on the situation.
1: Thank you, and bye.
0: Bye now. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Andini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. If you want to listen to our extensive back catalog of podcasts or check out more of Caixin Global's great journalism, download our app or head online to CaixinGlobal.com. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at SupChina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.